Brian Cranston and Kevin Hart star in the buddy comedy you've never been waiting for. Welcome to episode 20 of Get Spoiled. My name is Samantha Herman, joined by my co-host as always, Jeremy Knight and Chris Wilson, and today we'll be spoiling the feature film, The Upside. saw this movie you know technically huh. i did but i keep forgetting that it happened and everything about it <laughs> the thing uh the thing that makes makes that a bit hard for me to believe is that i just discovered that tate donovan is in this film <laughs> tate donovan's in this <laughs> yes yes <laughs> so you would think that that would make you, or I would think, I do think, <laughs> that that would make this film sick in your head a lot more. Well, he's not in it a whole lot. Oh, that's fair. What if he were the lead in the lead role? Then I probably would still have forgotten it. This movie was bland. So, again, to movies. recap. Many to movies re- are good. To recap, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. Bumblebee, 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. The other movie we consider talking about today, Mary Poppins Return, 78% on Rotten Tomatoes. The Upside, 40% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> Perfect. Well, the numbers don't lie. That's... <laughs> There's the upside right there. <laughs> Did you see Mary Poppins Revenge, Sam? Yes, but it's a delight. It, it's a delight? Yeah. Mary Poppins Returns? You said Revenge. Yeah. That's not what it's called? Oh, I thought R- you were Returns. just joking. It's called Returns. If it was called Revenge, I might go see it. I thought she got revenge on everybody. No? (laughs) Yeah. Um, She just, like, sings supercalifragilisticexpialidocious while decapitating people with an umbrella. Yeah. Right in their face. She just gets right, like, two inches from their face, just singing it right. Right on the docious, you know? Right on the docious. Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Like, So, Sam, you say that was a delight. My... I love Emily Blunt very much. I think she's so good at, at being in movies and very attractive. But I hate that fucking guy. Lynn Manuel? Yeah. I love hey, him, but he was the worst part of the genius? movie. Isn't he, he like the genius, the guy behind Hamilton or whatever? Yeah, yeah. He, him. Him. I, I respect his craft and his writing talent. I do not want to see him on my screens. I don't want to see him. I get that. He you was know, by far the worst part and hideously miscast. And what is he? He's the Dick Van Dyke chimney sweep character. Is that what he's doing? Yeah, he's a like a oh. light, light lighter, lamp lighter, but he's in oh. that function. Not a is chimney he, sweep. Is he okay. stock? Is he talking with a Cockney accent? He's talking with some kind of accent that I think oh. was meant to be that. <laughs> oh, good gracious! <laughs> hey, you know who is in this movie? Angela Lansbury. Yeah, she is. Yes, <laughs> yes, and Dick Van Dyke for God's sake. Dick Van Dyke should have just played the role like he's still alive like what do we need Lynn Manuel Miranda for well he wrote a lot of the songs and they were kind of not good however much screen time Dick Van Dyke had it wasn't enough no it was not uh okay Mary Poppins Revenge was a delight all right it was the songs were not that good that was the numbers were really good but the actual songs were not memorable in a Mm. way that like the originals were right right well, it's really hard to write memorable songs. I mean, A Star Is Born has like ten, but you know, not every movie, not every movie can do that. Maybe it's time to let the old ways die. I did hey, listen to know, the soundtrack when I was driving to Arizona. I felt like it suited the landscape. Fuck yes, it really did. Oh, <laughs> there's a movie coming out apparently on January 25th that's not a Robin Hood movie, but it's called King of Thieves, which is confusing. The unbelievable uh, true story of the Hatton Garden heist. Oh, you remember that heist. <laughs> Can't How wait to see that play out. Yeah. If there's one thing that's important to me, it's the whatever that heist was. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I already forgot what it's called. 
Just like I forgot that I saw the upside repeatedly. That's an uh, amazing, Sam. You, you, wait, you, you saw the you upside saw repeatedly? <laughs> yeah, and forgot. <laughs> and forgot still? How many times have you seen this movie, Sam? <laughs> Could be like nine times. Can't, just can't get it to stick. Oh, did you, did you go into some sort of weird, like, like self-contained amnesia thing? Like, are you in the Matrix with, as concerns the upside right now? I think mm. I am. Yeah. Okay. So just to recap then, Sam, for your sake, The Upside is a film starring <laughs> Brian Cranston and Kevin Hart and Nicole Kidman and also a man who I like to call Tate Donovan. <laughs> and, um, and, and you saw it, so please recap it for us. <laughs> I did see it. I will is recap this, it. Is, is this jogging your memory at all? You know what? It is, but I did. it's based on a French movie of the same storyline, both of which are based on a real real story and the french movie is amazing oh so you, right. you saw that and you and you remember seeing it i remember seeing that for two reasons uh-huh. number one it was amazing and a really good movie and number two i thought someone was kicking the back of my chair the whole time and i kept looking back and there was no one there and i was freaked out and when the movie was over i learned that it was my first earthquake oh oh wow so it really stands out. Yeah. This is That's, when you saw um, the French version of this yeah, movie. Yeah, years ago. Which you do remember. You yeah. really remember that. <laughs> yeah. Unlike, unlike this viewing of the remake. <laughs> it would have been French... funnier if there was oh, someone oh. sitting behind you and you like got in a fight with them. <laughs> yeah, that would have been... <laughs> yeah. Like George Costanza on when he goes all opposite, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking it was a ghost. Well, should so, we do cosplay? I'm nope. it. I, yeah, I would check that out. I'm a no. Hard now. <laughs> I would do anything that has a passionate community because I love passion and I want to <laughs> witness it. You might say you're passionate about passion. I am. So, yeah, I, I love, would check that out. I love but what passion. Would, what would you cosplay, though? You have to have an angle. Well, like, what's I have your, to pick what's a your character entry point? that exists, right? Yeah, but I would maybe recommend picking, like, a universe or, you know, like a... Yeah. Like, What's the like universe a, that hasn't been like done to death that you could like The Muppets. Yeah, I wanna like cosplay something that like isn't normally cosplayed. Or what if you cosplayed something super normal? You just cosplayed Angela from Who's the Boss. Like that's your <laughs> you just wore an eighties evening gown. Or, or like business, a power or suit. A pantsuit. Yeah. And you're like, I'm Angela Bauer from Who's the Boss. <laughs> You'd have to have some seriously feathered hair. No, but now I need a crew. Do we all go as who's the boss? Yeah, we do. We cosplay who's the boss. And we go to okay. the Comic Cons and we cosplay who's the boss. Okay, so but Jer- the question is, who's Tony, me or Jeremy? I'm willing to give it up. I, I, I think I one of you should be, I'll be Angela. One of you can be Tony and one of you can be Mona. What, can I be Jonathan? <laughs> yeah. Chris, I think you should be Jonathan. 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 Okay. Danny Pintaro? Yep. I, he Whoa. might. Yep. Yeah, you like that? You just pulled that out? Yeah, I did. Wow. That's for, that's, that was for Sam. I mean, I respect it. I had it within me, too, but I appreciated it. Yeah, I, Sam, like, the passion, the community of cosplay, I think, would really appeal to you. And it seems like a very welcoming community. Like, they're very supportive. Yeah, I, don't, I think I don't that's think that true. They're, I don't think that they're exclusive, like... I think, yeah, it's like a more the merrier. Like, you also want to be this passionate? Please, join us. Please, join us. Is that Judith Light? <laughs> no, it's me, Samantha. <laughs> I gotta do it. I have... To, I don't think I want to necessarily, like, commit to it forever, but just to try it, I definitely... Yeah. I want to observe it. I want to live it. I'm just gonna start. Where'd my notes go? Okay. Woo! This movie, I saw it, folks, some good. days ago. Good. Um, yeah, good. Did you good start? Did you did you call up a friend and be like, you know, what would be fun? Let's go watch a heartwarming tale starring Hart and Cranston. No, yeah, I didn't. What? I went solo. I, you so went solo, and was there ex- excitement and joy in your heart? No. Or. Trepidation. There, there was like, I want to see a movie, and I've seen everything else, and this is on, and fine. Oh, all right. I feel like that's a that's a zone that you settle into often. Yeah, it is. That's my natural state. Yeah. 
Was it a daytime um, sesh? What, what are we? Um, I truly don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I wow. think I might have gone Friday night. Big Friday night out. Big Friday night. Uh, cool. Did you? Did you? Had you seen the trailer for it before you went? Yes, I had. In full. Yes. Because I just watched it a little, like, you know, as I usually do, and um, I don't see myself going for a solo jaunt to the cinema now this evening to see this. <laughs> but you know, I'm a, a different breed. It's true. It's true. If we didn't have you and if we didn't have your breed, we wouldn't have this podcast or this, you know, spoilage. I do it all for the fans. Oh, the fans. <laughs> okay, so... This movie stars Brian Cranston and Kevin Hart. I'm going to call them by those names. I don't know anyone's character name. I will not be using any of them. If I don't know their name, I will call them by their job in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> you could just hear the enthusiasm. <laughs> so much. Okay, so we I start like with a car chase scene. Kevin Hart's driving, Ooh. Brian Cranston is in the passenger, it's a fancy sports car, and they're in New York City, in the thick of traffic, trying to outrun some cops, and they're kind of laughing, kind of nervous, and Kevin Hart says, I can outrun them, and that's our opening image and our opening introduction to them, and then we cut back to six months ago. Why is every movie doing this these days? I don't, it, the, it's so unnecessary. It's so unnecessary. It's I. There's you a reason what? to do that, you know. Like Tarantino obviously does it well, and other other filmmakers too. But like, so many filmmakers are just doing it now unnecessarily. They're just like starting in the middle, like to, to create like faux drama or faux suspense. I, and, I hate it. Yeah, and at no point was like, oh, I can't wait to see how we get back to that. Yeah. I forgot and, that that had even been the starting point until we returned to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's a lazy and I've noticed growing uh, storytelling trick. Yeah. And I'm not and I'm not down on it or with it. No, it mm. it, it, it dilutes the power of it when it's used well yeah. by being overdone. Okay, so six months ago, Kevin Hart is released <laughs> from jail, and we don't get much information on his crimes, but they seem to be in the stealing basis thievery thievery yeah and yeah and he didn't seem like he's been there for that long so it's like not anything like a major crime does he seem regretful not particularly does he seem like he could be violent no not violent just kind of chagrined that Mm. this is the way his life has gone and Mm -hmm. those were his options so Um, on a scale of like one to kevin hart like what what level of kevin hart are we getting in this film like a six. He can't go. He's not going full Kevin Hart, no, right? Like a six. Like, he's not all screamy and stuff all the time. No. Okay. Um, he needs to apply for a daily quota of jobs because that's part of his parole protocol, and he needs to report back that he's at least been trying. Um, but he doesn't actually care about getting any of these jobs. He just keeps going to all these interviews, and he has a form that the interviewer has to sign, and that's all he cares about. Like, he doesn't really put in any effort for the interview itself. He just collects the signatures and turns them in. Does so? But he doesn't have any urgency to like have income or anything. Nope. Okay, and where's is he, he living? living? That is kind of unclear. He has an ex-wife and a son. Um, and he pays or at least tries to contribute to their rent and the apartment that he set them up with and maybe once lived in as well. Um, but he does not live with them. He goes to pick up the son from school and he's there late and the son's already been picked up by the mom. So they're definitely estranged, not necessarily that happy to see him. And he's not living there. So uh, I'm not sure. Halfway house. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, he will see where he lives shortly. You know, once he hooks up with Cranston, but for the first few days, couldn't tell you. Okay. Okay. That's odd. I mean, okay. So he just is just trying to check the boxes for his parole rules. Yeah. Maybe he's with a friend. They don't really show that part. All right, cool. Um, What city city are we in? New York. Uh, In the Mm -hmm. apartment where he has the wife and son set up is really bad, in bad shape. It's all run down. Okay. Probably not. In Manhattan. No, not definitely not. Not the Upper West Side. Okay. No. Okay. Yeah. 
So, meanwhile, Cranston is living in a giant penthouse, and it's ritzy, and in one of those upper west or east side apartments, and he's already been... He's already had his accident, he's already quadriplegic, and he has fired yet another helper um, that he's unsatisfied with. What's his demeanor? Depressed and gruff. All right. It's got to be and, gruff. And, and, and uh, is he, does, is, does he work still, or is he just, does, he doesn't work. He's like, well, had his accident, and he's kind of just living on his funds and seems being like that that's depressed. also a little bit unclear no okay. he still has a kind of a business because nicole kidman is there and she's basically his second in command of the business i'll get to that in a second it's like oh, really amorphous um and she but she also is like over the fence of like more than business and helping him with his personal life and she's gathering the list of applicants for the new the replacement caregiver i see does uh, Cranston have a, a wife or family? No, he has a picture of a wife on his desk, and we will come back to that. Very good. Oh, no. <laughs> Don't this get too attached. contribute or to sad. the gruffness. Yeah. Um, so she assembles all these applicants, and they're all showing up, and he dislikes all of them for various reasons. Some of them seem to be too coddling and babying his condition. Some One guy's like, I want your arms and legs to be an extension with mine and we will become one and like stuff like that that he hates and some are just they don't even talk to him they just talk to nicole kidman as if like he's not even like cognitive so just various reasons he just isn't vibing with any of them yeah that's gotta be a hard hiring decision to make it sounds like he's not really interested in having a caregiver to begin with he is not. He nice insight, Chris. <laughs> but he knows he needs to have one. Like he can't function without it. But he's very angry that this has happened to him and that he needs this in his life. The downside is he doesn't want to have a, uh, a caregiver. The upside is Kevin Hart is doing job interviews. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, <sighs> Kevin Hart arrives to the apartment building and he thinks he's there for a janitorial position, but he, someone has walked in in front of him and said, like, I'm here for the interview. And the desk person says, go that way. So Kevin Hart's like, oh, I'm here for the same. He just follows him. And oh. so, yeah, he ends up going to the caregiver interviews by mistake. By mistake. That, see, see, that's something I couldn't have predicted because yeah. I was wondering how he could even be considered for a job like that. Because obviously, I would assume they're registering people who are like, you know, nurses or physical therapists yeah. or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So it's a it's a a comic misunderstanding that <laughs> yes. leads him into this interview. Very comical. How delightful. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he uh, just ends up in there, and everyone's all confused. Yep. Oh. So he's oh, there. Oh, they sort this out. He's there waiting, and everyone's really dressed up. And he's like, you have to put on your Sunday best, like, for janitor's position. And, you know, misunderstandings continue. And then finally he just bursts in just to get his signature. He's like, yo, I just want to get this sign. Who do I have to talk to? Can you, can you do it? And Brian Krantz is like, how would I do that? And he says, I don't know, slowly. And he gets a little bit of a chuckle out of that. Because <laughs> <laughs> he can't move his arms or legs, you yep. see. yep. Oh dear! Actually, I believe, according to the trailer, the next thing he says it to him is, "Don't your arms work?" And Brian Cranston replies, "No, they do not." <laughs> yeah, that's right. That happens. And it all becomes clear. Yep. And Cranston is charmed by his brash behavior, and he's definitely not babying him. Uh, quite the opposite, and he's into it. But Kevin Hart says, "I don't want to be no janitor for you." And then finally, the mix-up is discovered, and he realizes he's gone in to the wrong place for the wrong interview and that it's a caregiver job. And he also doesn't want that. He only wants Nicole Kidman to sign. She's like, you, she can do it. Right. Cause she's there in the room. What she a is, zany situation. Yeah. And she is not down with Kevin Hart. She is appalled and disgusted. And Cranston says, I can't sign it for you in good faith or have her sign it for you because I want to offer you the job. So we can't sign that you tried because you're declining you and that's not right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and so, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well played. Okay. Yeah. And Kevin Hart's this flustered by bucks. this. Yeah. And Crane says, come back tomorrow, think about it, and either accept the job or we will sign. 
Okay. Okay. That feels reasonable. Yeah. And Nicole Kidman's like, what the hell are you thinking? He's clearly not right for the job. He has no skills. He didn't even know what the job was. Like, there's no way he's capable of doing it. You're making a mistake. And he says, it's my decision. If he comes back, he's the one I want. Putting his foot down. Yeah, on his way out. Exerting control over his life. Yeah, because he has such minimal control that he needs to take it when he can. See, I find that understanding and endearing. (laughs) Fair. I as well. (laughs) I think I love this movie. I'm glad for you. I also think you love this movie. Um, he, as Kevin Hart leaves, he steals a first edition book. I forget what book it was, but it, for a children's book, because um, he wants to give it to his gifted son, because the son's really good at school and really advanced. He steals a book? Yep. Fuck, thieving. Always yeah, once a thief. Thieving, once a thief, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, once a thief. That night, he sees the wife again, and she lays into him that he's not contributing anything, and like, how do you think you're going to integrate back with us and be with the son? Like, you don't put any effort into it. And he, but he does give the son the book. and But he feels now a little guilty. So he goes back, and he's almost going to decline the job when he realizes how much money is available. And despite Nicole Kidman's protestations, he does take the job, and Cranston goes along with it. And... Then he learns that it is a live-in position. So in answer to your question, he lives there now. Uh-huh. Yep. Wow. Well, it's a good thing that he didn't, it didn't seem to matter where he lived before. Yep. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's resolved. Now, you say that he learns how much money's available. Do we talk numbers, or do we get to hear how much he's being paid, or is it just one of those things where he looks at a piece of paper and yeah. his eyes go wide? Yeah, he looks at the piece of paper, and he's like, is that per month? She's like, no, that's per week. And he's like, uh-huh, uh-huh that'll do. I think they do show his pay stub later because he – and let me try and think about what it was. I think it was going to – I did calculate it. I think it was going to be somewhere like 100, 150 grand for the year. Yeah, 150. Plus the live-in. Yeah. yeah. Plus no living expenses or food expenses. Oh, man. He eats for free? Oh, yeah. So Nicole Kidman says that he has three strikes and that – she likes baseball, and they rap about that a little bit and, like, use that vernacular. It does not really recur, but that's supposed to set up, like, that she's got a bit of coolness underneath the simmering business uh, persona that she puts on. Because she's Did baseball. you buy that? No, I did not. So You have three strikes, <laughs> sir. Uh, he's bad at it at first and, like, isn't mindful. He, like, moves Cranston from the bed into his chair but doesn't strap him in properly and he almost falls out and he's just really unaware of what the limitations are and how he needs to be most helpful but he starts to get a little bit of a hang for it um we learn that Cranston is a finance guy and he was basically like Richard Gere in Pretty Woman where he would like find uh struggling businesses and save them and merge them and like fund startups and also a bit of like shark tanking with Concepts being pitched at him. And oh, he'd be tanking. He'd be tanking. He'd and- <laughs> be tanking. So, event maybe a venture capitalist. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then he also wrote banker. a book on uh, on like bettering your finance. And oh, so we delay. see that we see that book. So, do we get a start to get a feeling for the daily routine that these two wacky characters live through together? Yeah, we do, but. I'll come to that in a second, but it's basically like the physiotherapist comes and does the stretching and those routines. Well, I'll come back to that in a second, but like that's not even his not job. There. No, he's there's a specialized physio girl. Her name's Physio Girl in my notes. Um, <laughs> See, I was I was I was in my head. Kevin Hart's role was like Daphne and Fraser, you know, but she was also a physiotherapist. But he true. doesn't even have to do that. He just has to like hang out and help him like I don't know get into bed. Yeah, he has to get him around and feed him and do some light errands. And he has to, like, know some of the physio stuff for the times when the when they aren't there. Uh, so he I has see. to know it, a, like, as more an emergency basis. It's a Xerox basis. of the stretches and he has to help <laughs> yeah. him do it? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Wow. 150 do, cool ones. Do, do we get a film? Maybe there was, this was in the trailer. I can't remember. Or I'm just imagining it is. Is there a colostomy bag or catheter scene? 
There's oh, a Catherine scene. Oh, I'll come to that Spoiler in alert. detail. So, yeah. Sorry. Okay. Uh, All right. So we'll get to think about Brian Cranston's ween later on. In yeah, in a substantial way. Um, so we see again the wife's picture on the desk or the side table, but not too much information about her. Um, and Cr- Cranston tells Kevin Hart, "Do you know what a DNR is? I need you to really promise me that you will follow that to the T." And he doesn't know what it means, but you know and I know, and he comes to know that it means do not resuscitate and take no extreme measures if anything goes wrong with him medically. And he says, is that why you hired me? Because you thought I would just, like, I wouldn't fight you on that? Because I won't. No problem. Wow. Turns out (laughs) he's going to have a connection that grows with this man. And it's not so cut and dry after a while. Yep. Okay. Uh, All right. So Kenard says, "I'm I'm down with DNR. Yeah. Yeah, I'll let I'll let this guy die. I don't give a shit. <laughs> so Physio Girl is there and so we learn about that and she shows him how to do the catheter and then they imply there's something more elaborate with a number two situation and that is communicated with a finger swirl. I didn't want to learn more and luckily didn't have to learn more, but Kevin Hart just storms into Nicole Kevin and says, I'm not doing any of like I'm not a bathroom guy, I'm not doing medical stuff, like I'll do the taking around and general care. But uh, I'm not going into this guy's business. And so, like, right, I guess... it's true. He's not being paid enough for that. <laughs> yeah, they kind <laughs> of agree. Um, he keeps clashing what? with Kidman, and he has a couple strikes, and she tells him he needs to get the book back because she knows that he took it. Um, Kevin Hart thinks that they're a couple at first, and then in front of them, he asks about it, and then they both awkwardly correct him and say, no, no, that's not it at all. We're just colleagues. And so can, that's their I, status. Can I come back to this book? Yeah. I, I want to come back to this book. How is, was this book like on some sort of pedestal or something in a glass case? In, no, in, this, in, in the library. So what? She has an inventory of the library <laughs> that she checks regularly? I guess of she her can boss's see the, library. I guess she can see the gaping hole where it once was. So, um, but she wants the book back and he, what, denies that he has it? Uh, she doesn't deny. It's just kind of unspoken, like, they know, we know it happened. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. She just sends that message. Like, yeah, I know we need to, we need to have that book back. Yeah. Okay. Um, so they have to go out on an, on an outing to do some meeting and Kevin Hart takes Cranston down to the garage of the apartment and he's like, which car is yours? And he says, all those ones. And it's just this cavalcade of various luxury cars. Um, but mainly he uses this more like medically equipped van and Kevin Hart says, no, I'm not driving in that van, like live a little man. And he rigs them in one of the nicer sports cars and they go out on the town. And that's the scene that was at the beginning of the movie. No, no. Oh, sorry. I'm getting ahead of myself here. Yeah. They need to like have time with the cars, but we do meet Tate Donovan for the first time as they go into the elevator. And Ooh, he I'm Tate Donovan. <laughs> Here we go. He's just a neighbor, other billionaire guy, neighbor in the building, and he's condescending to Cranston, like very like babying, because presumably he lived there pre-injury as well. Um, so yeah. he knew him before, and he also appears fearful of Kevin Hart and, like, weirded out that he is his new caregiver because he, like, by appearances, is not the typical guy you would find in that role. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Cranston wants to listen to opera. Kevin Hart wants to listen to Aretha Franklin. They have fights about that in the car and so that's their thing that both are trying to teach the other some of their interests and their ways and kevin hart thinks cranston is too stuffy needs to have more fun i feel like aretha franklin is a pretty you know low-key suggestion that could come from hart's side you know (laughs) yeah i don't know what i was thinking he was going to push for when listening to but like really really cranston was like by no means will we be listening to Aretha Franklin. Now, you young kids and you're Aretha Franklin. <laughs> he puts on some like heavier rap music later, but yeah, Aretha's like the artist that is named, but it makes sense later. Um, Kevin yeah, Hart gives weird. his first paycheck, like I said, to the ex, and she's really pleased and moved that, oh, you actually are like contributing and coming around a little bit. Uh, and maybe we'll Is his relationship up. with his son improving? Not quite yet. 
Oh, stole I see. The, I've jumped the gun the again. Yeah. Um, at one point, Cranston, because uh, he has this beeper thing, and Kidman, that's one of the strikes because he turns it off, but this beeper thing, pager slash microphone where he can hear a cry for help from wherever he is that he's supposed to have on at all times. Um, so he hears Cranston struggling for breath and he goes in and sees that he's oxygen and he gives it to him and he says, that's not an extreme measure. That was just a little bit of oxygen. I need you to live a little bit longer cause I need this money. Mm-hmm. Um, Kevin Hart starts reading Cranston's finance book uh, and he like references it a couple of times and Cranston's like, Oh, I see you're trying to actually learn something from me. And they have a chuckle over that. Kevin Hart tries to pitch an idea for a weed dealer app called Ideal. Um, it's pretty good. Yeah, but he dismisses it and says, you need to find what you're really good at and then figure out a way to monetize that and then come back to me and pitch it. This is just too, like, this is just niche and, like, clearly you just came up with it, like, offhand. You need to find out your true interest in life. So he believes in following your passion then? Yeah, just like cosplay. Like whatever Just like sparks joy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So for Sam, that would be dressing up as Angela Bauer and going to that's, comic That sparks joy, right. <laughs> and easily monetized. I mean, obviously. A lot of money. Easily monetized. <laughs> you could uh, really get some Insta followers. Guys, we got to become Who's the Boss cosplayers. I'm we'll in. Immediately, we'll immediately be the best in the world. <laughs> we'll corner the market. We'll be the best and the worst in the world. Yeah. Or, like, do the, the man-lady costume, you know, where you're on one side, you're one character, and then on the other side, you're another. You can, like, oh, yeah. turn sideways. Ooh. That's super cool. That's going to be a big hit at the comic <laughs> conventions. I feel like it is. I feel like that's an innovation in cosplay. Left side one character, yeah, right like side the other. Half of my side is going to be a pantsuit <laughs> with, like, a frilly blouse, and the other is going to be a white undershirt. Or, oh. like, a jogging suit. Yeah. Iconic. <laughs> Iconic. I'm both Angela and Tony. I am You'd the boss. Because to... who was the boss if not both of them together? The other problem with doing Angela and Tony is that you'd have to have sexual tension with yourself. I'm okay think, with that. I think Sam can achieve that. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're right. Periodically, Kevin Hart sees his old thug crew around the park where his ex still lives. And there's uh, just awkwardness there. But it doesn't feel menacing. It just feels like he's trying to evolve from that world now now that he's seen a different life okay and that, that he's by himself he's not with cranston by, yeah by himself all right uh and also he starts painting as a hobby in his room uh kevin that is like painting on canvases because there's so much art in the apartment he's like oh I'll, like try that out well so in right. his room uh, his work room like yes. his, his room that he's been given yes there, there's there's also just art supplies around <laughs> they don't show where he gets them from but he does What's wow. his uh, What's his artistic style? Is he uh, realistic? Or his subject? More... Well, we don't really see his main piece until later. Oh, okay. Um, can we Can we guess? <laughs> sure. Let, Chris and I are, let's have some guesses at what he paints. Mm. I'm gonna say he paints a young boy. I'm gonna say he paints his dream home that he's going to achieve by doing this job super well and turning his life around. Also, no, both great guesses would have made sense, but no, it's kind of just like a wolf beast thing. And also I think he's taken the head from a statue or something and like glued it to the painting. So it's textured. Uh, Oh yeah. That's, that's cool. (laughs) See, that just goes to show we haven't tapped into the the heart and soul of Kevin Hart. Yeah. Wolf Beast was going to be way down the list of guesses. <laughs> yeah. um, Kidman tells Kevin Hart that she was briefly married. She used to work for Cranston years ago. Left, got married. That fell apart. And then when she heard about his accident, she came back to work for Cranston again because he needed help with both the business and she felt just like a loyalty for him to him as a man. Her marriage okay. fell apart in the meantime. Yeah. Kevin overhears Nicole Kidman on the monitor that I told you about talking lovingly to Cranston and Kevin bursts in to accuse her of being into him and for having lied about it. And she reveals that he's totally misunderstood and that Cranston has a female pen pal and that she reads the letters aloud to Cranston and then he dictates back his reply. And that's all he overheard. Ooh, that sounds sexy. Yeah. 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 It's pretty juicy. Very poetic language in the letters. She reads the letters to him. Yeah. 
there's a lot of there's a lot of layers going on there that's even if she is just his employee and confidant she's now the conduit for his erotically charged pen pal escapades (laughs) agreed and she also offhandedly mentions she doesn't like beards which kevin hart has we'll return to that um what the hell does that have to do with anything but okay does, does cranston have a beard no. By the way, I don't like beards. <laughs> it has to do with something, but no, he does not have a beard. Um, okay. Kevin Hart confronts Brian Cranston about the pen pal and says, have you tried looking her up? Uh, like, have you gotten more of a vibe? Like, who is she? What does she look like? What's her deal? And he says he hasn't. And he says, well, she's definitely looked you up. Um, so we may as well do it as well. I don't even know how they become pen pals in the first place. Maybe it's through his like finance me. situation. Weird. <laughs> Like I, a fan letter or something? Maybe, yeah. The inception of the pen palness was, I don't think, explained. Um, but anyway, Crane says, no, I don't I don't need to look her up. Like, I get what I need through these letters. And... He's old uh, school. Yeah, That's and so the, a couple of the girls come in, the physio girl and the chef who's a female, and he's like, ladies, you would have looked him up like immediately, right? And they're like, yeah, for sure. And that makes Cranston a little sensitive, and Kidman says, I... I can see his point, but I probably wouldn't have looked it up either. I guess I'm just old-fashioned that way. And a liar. <laughs> and a liar, yeah. She sounds like a real treat, this Kidman. <laughs> yeah. Kidman, uh, like, even the sport you like, baseball, like, baseball sucks. You suck. But they just have so well, much in common, her and Cranston, you see? Uh-huh. Uh, so Kevin tries to look up clues, and then he sees plain as day on one of the most recent letters that she has left behind her phone number as an obvious please reach out Ooh, but what's the area code? Uh, they determine, well, she has a return, they have to post it, right? So she's in Buffalo. Good point. Buffalo. Yeah. Buffalo, Buffalo New York. Yeah. Upstate. Yep. And he forces Cranston to leave a voicemail because he dials a number and then just, like, thrusts the phone at him. And so he does leave the voicemail saying, I'd love to hear back from you. Call me if you can and feel like it. Uh, Later, they go to the opera, and him and Kevin, and Kevin is super obnoxious, and everyone's shushing him, and he's just being, like, really rude about everything and laughing at it. And then cut to the performance is over, and he's sitting upright, leaning toward the stage, enthralled, and on the verge of tears. Mm. Oh, oh, that's what opera will do to you. (laughs) It certainly does. Uh, Cranston periodically has bad dreams about his wife that wake him up, and Kevin asks him about about the accident, and he says, it was paragliding, he says, I know, that, like, yeah, like, that I heard, but how did it happen? And I also wondered that, but he doesn't really give him a good answer. He says, we went paragliding, my wife had cancer, and we needed something to take our minds off it. And just, like, things went wrong. And then they don't really get into this either, but then the wife later died from cancer. Hmm. Jeez, this is unlucky. This man has an unlucky life, except for the billions. The billions. Otherwise, really rough. All right. Yeah, I would have, yeah. I guess it doesn't really matter how it happened. Paragliding says it all. But they made a point of saying, yeah, but how? And they don't really explain. Huh. Yeah, weird. Uh, Kevin asks if he still has pain, even though he can't move. And he says, yes, it's like referred pain as if, you know, it's like through the nerves, even though I can't function them. And sometimes it can be uh, like brutal and all consuming. And Kevin Hart takes him out for a stroll and gives him some reefer. And he says, that stuff never affects me. And he says, trust me, it'll help. And so they down a J together and it does help. Hmm. And then they laughingly go to get some hot dogs. (laughs) And the cashier at the hot dog place says to Kevin Hart, and what would he like? And Kevin Hart reams the guy and says, you can ask him, like he can order for himself. And Cranston is very grateful for that. He's like, people just do that to me all the time. Just ignore me as if I can't, like, that I'm not a person anymore. Mm-hmm. Hard getting him some respect back. Yeah. Street level respect. Yep. Um, so they eat, they eat hot dogs? They eat the hot dogs. And so, so Kevin Hart has to feed the hot dog to him. Yes. That's very intimate. It's very intimate. And Cranston says, have you ever had to take care of anyone before? Because you're not, not good at it. 
And he says, <laughs> yeah, I've had to take care of someone myself. I think it's just supposed to show that he feels like he's a lone wolf and has no allegiance to anyone, that he's just had to look out for himself and, like, look out for number one. But he does have an allegiance. He has a has wife a and a son. And that's why he's a bad father and an ex-husband. Jeez. He should have said, yes, I had to take care of someone, my son. Yeah, well, he <laughs> doesn't take care of his son, so that's kind of the point. Uh, yeah. Respect his honesty. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, oh, but cool. he does wipe Cranston's face when he has, you know, mustard or something on, you know, from the hot dog. Um, and he also shares that he had a bad relationship with his own father and that by chance – when he landed in jail, one of the times he landed in jail, his father was already there as an inmate himself. And all he said was, welcome home, son, as if that was his destiny all along. And what a horrible thing for a father to imply to a son. My goodness. Well, deep, deep okay. layers. Doesn't sound like he's doing a great job with his own kid who has potential. <laughs> yep, sure other isn't. Than stealing a book for him. Yep. Uh, physio girl is running late one day, the next day, and the catheter is at capacity. I guess there's like a, you know, a notifier on it, and Kevin is forced to do it, and this sequence goes on forever, and it is extremely homophobic and extremely uncomfortable, and so he has to take out the catheter as step one, and then put it back in, and he keeps like walking away and like pep talking himself, like okay, just you know, just get in there fast and loose, fast, you know, yeah. just it's all right. You he's do doing it. the Kevin Hart. He's doing yeah. the Kevin Hart. That was yeah. his like yeah. most hardiest scene. That's why you hire him. <laughs> yeah, but it sounds like uh, it really didn't do it for you as a scene. Made me very uncomfortable. And then Cranston gets a boner, uh, and he's like, "What? You can still get a you that can still happen." He's like, "Yeah, I'm still like." It's involuntary, but I can't help it. And that's when Kidman walks in. And it is awkward. And part, like, throws a blanket over it. And everyone's just a little bit uncomfortable. This is making me uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, how, how is this, like, the big Kevin Hart comedy relief <laughs> thing? I don't understand. Yeah. I mean, I Were love people in the boners. theater laughing? I love boners, no. But... We all love boners. <laughs> yeah. But, so... like... I, like, it's one thing to make boner jokes in a movie. It's another thing to be like, oh, my God, I have to touch the dick for the catheter and, like, turn it into a whole thing. It was a whole like, thing. He's yeah. like, have you ever had to touch a guy's dick? And he's like, no. And he's like, well, how do you think I – it was a whole thing. Um, but he does glean from this that Cranston can still get pleasure, particularly from his ears. That's still that's his, like, current erogenous zone. So he hires a couple of call girls and <laughs> See, that's funny yeah that yeah. was kind of funny and one is massaging kevin hart and one is doing cranston's ears and tate donovan sees them riding up in the elevator and he is not happy about it but they have a grand old time that's uh that's see that's a delight yeah hey tate <laughs> give me give, give more of that tate. and less of the less of the wiener homophobia yeah yeah more ear play <laughs> yeah less homophobia always yeah. more, more ear play and more more tape. More Tate Vonman, <laughs> more prostitutes, less homophobia. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so those are our notes. <laughs> script notes. More reefer, more hot dogs. Uh, they take Kevin's son out in one of the fancy cars, so the, he's chipping away at the frostiness. And just like he did with Cranston and the mustard, Kevin Hart lovingly wipes the ice cream mustache off his son, which I found super weird. Like the son's like eight nine or ten and could definitely do it for himself but he seems to appreciate it i thought it would like i would have been annoyed if my parent had done that to me does cranston have any vibe with the kid a, a grudging respect for his for his brightness because the kid's gifted right yeah it was a super missed opportunity he's present for this it's three of them but they have like, yeah. no real connection other than they exist together and that the kid like kind of what? polite to him oh That's that's the worst. That is a missed opportunity. Very missed. Yeah. I feel like it's a bonding opportunity for the two of them, and then by extension, more bonding for him and Hart. Totally. Yeah, and like they're both smart, and they could like show off their smarts with each other and bond, and then rip on Kevin Hart and be like, "Ha, your dad's an idiot." I know. Ha ha ha. That yeah. would have been fun. That would have been great. And then they both have happen. something to offer the kid. You know, like yep. the smart dad friend, and then the, like the street smart dad, and like yeah. they have a they have like a dynamic between them and. See, now we're back to writing a better version of this movie. <laughs> yep, because none of that <laughs> happens. But uh, he does drop off the son and sheepishly says, I, there was a misunderstanding, I need that book back. 
and the son realizes that he stole it, and he gets angry as hell, and he happens to have it in his book bag, and he just kind of throws it in the car and leans in and says to Brian Cranston, I didn't know he stole it. I'm sorry. Here, take it back. Uh, and, like, he storms off and is mad at the dad. And Kevin Hart kind of apologizes, and Cranston says, don't worry about it. Books should be read, and I can't enjoy them anymore anyway. Yeah, it's a fucking book. Everyone needs to settle down. <laughs> but it's, you know, first edition collector's piece. Uh-huh. So, but does it go back into the library, or does he, like, say <laughs> you can keep it for your child? He doesn't say that. I assume it goes back to the library. Oh, trust me. Once Nicole Kidman gets held that book, it's gone she, right back. She gets out her barcode scanner and, uh, you know, puts it on the, the truck and wheels it over to the and gives the, the late sorting notice. shelves. Yeah, for the yeah, overdue exactly. fine. Um, she gets her stamp out. <laughs> Later, it's Cranston's birthday, and he says he wants nothing to do for a celebration, but he arrives home, and Kidman has thrown him an elaborate surprise party, and everyone is there, including Tate Donovan, and they're all, like, way too attentive, and, oh, it's so nice to see you, Brian, you're looking so well, and, like, like leaning down toward him, and it's just very overwhelming, and he gets crazy mad storms off into his private study and reams kidman and then it's just him and kevin hart and they're arguing and kevin hart senses that he wants to take his frustrations out and then as an extension of cranston he starts breaking everything per cranston's wishes he's like get that statue figurine i've always hated it so he's just smashing yes. stuff all around the study this was uh this was very prominently featured in the trailer yeah this was their signature scene yep uh kidman walks in and cranston apologizes he rejoins the party and tate donovan asks him privately to fire kevin he says he's a danger to you know you have to be considerate of the community of the building at large and he shows him evidence of his past arrest and he says i'm well aware of that and it's my business to hire whoever i want and then Yeah, which is true. Um, That's oh. crazy. Yeah. By the way, Tate we Donovan have... overstepping. Overstepping. Wait, way I, overstepping. I forgot to mention, we have seen Kevin Hart's Wolf Beast piece a little bit previously to this, and uh, he's proud of it, and they're all like, it's very bold. Uh, it's a great use of, you know, they're just like making up things to say to try and compliment yeah. it, even though they all hate it. But Cranston does put it up prominently in the apartment and tricks Tate Donovan into thinking that it's a collectible and that it's going to go up in value and he buys it. Uh-huh. That's a good one. That's funny. <laughs> Were you enjoying Tate? Uh, he was in it far too briefly for me to have any feelings about him. Oh, that's a shame. I, I don't believe that at all. <laughs> First of all, you have pre-existing feelings. Yeah, I mean, I was happy to see him. During the party, the mystery girl from the pen paling calls, and they make plans to see each other that weekend, as she will be in town from Buffalo. The party continues, and Kevin puts on his type of music, which is more dancey, and everyone has a dance party, and even Kidman reluctantly joins in. She dances. Wow. The ice queen starts to melt. Yep, a little bit. Cranston gives Kevin Hart the 50 grand from the sale of the painting as a surprise. And Kevin Hart says, oh, okay, great. I guess I found the thing that I'm going to do. I'll just keep cranking these out. 50 grand? If I could do those like a few a year. He's like, no, no, no. This was one time to get you seed money so you can do the thing you actually should be doing. Like painting is not the thing. Wow. Guess Cranston knows best, eh? Hard line. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. So Kevin takes him to the date and Juliana Margulies is there, and she looks beautiful, and there's a bit of chemistry between them, and she says, I knew what to expect. I did look you up. You can go, Kevin Hart. Like, I can handle it. Just, we can have some privacy. So he does, and at first, having a great time, and they're vibing, and chatting, and laughing, and... But slowly, as the meal progresses, it becomes way too awkward, and she has to cut, cut up his meat and feed him and he has a spill on his shirt and just the magnitude of the situation even though she'd researched it is uh felt by her and she gets really uncomfortable and she says i think we should just be friends okay and And what what was her vibe what what does she do for a living how old was she what kind of person is she she runs a museum in Buffalo, and so she's also in, you know, into the classic arts. Okay. Uh, so they were vibing on that. And she okay. had a 
kind of similar to her look in The Good Wife, uh, very like buttoned up, conservative looking. Yeah, but I they were having Martin a Lewis. laugh. Yeah, yeah, good, good, good casting choice there. And at mm-hmm. probably like a similar age to what his age was meant to be. So, uh, other than his unfortunate accident, they probably would have been a great pair. But she just can't see past it. Oh, that's hard. Um, but Cranston is so rattled by it and so upset by it that he reams out Kevin and says, you're the one who forced me to do this. I never wanted to evolve past pen pals because I knew this would happen and you forced me into this and to have hope and the hell with you and you're fired and I'm done with all of this. And that's that. They break away and Kevin Hart returns back to his neighborhood and he sees that one of those thug pals who says, welcome home just like his dad had, and he's very saddened by that. Mm. Triggering. Day- triggering, yes. Days go by, and Kevin Hart signs over the 50K to his ex-wife and says, this is for you to put a down payment on a new and better home, which they get, and it seems like, even with 50 grand, impossible to have done this upgrade because it's like a full big house now. Not that big, but not an apartment, like a standing standalone house. In New uh, York? Yeah, I guess in one of the boroughs, but still. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and so, like, that's his thing. That's the thing that he uses seed money for, because he, now he can finally see past just looking out for number one. But this, he's not going to live in this house. He's not... He hasn't rekindled a relationship. No. He re- he remains... Okay. So I still he don't know where he's living. living. somewhere. <laughs> yeah. No, they're not back together, but she's grateful, and the sun starts thawing again, and he says, I'd love to come back tomorrow and hang out and help you set up the house. But yeah, definitely they're not back together. Okay. And he also seems to be working at a store or some sort of facility where... He can improve on the wheelchair and various apparatuses that he learned about. And so that seems to be his passion and the thing that he's good at. Like, that he's continuing on with this self, this caregiving career. Even though... Sorry, he's repairing wheelchairs? It was super unclear. He's working at a store and he has a shirt with a name, with the logo of the company on it. Uh, and they seem to maybe be like a rental house for wheelchairs. Super unclear, okay. but he's like perfecting or like improving on things that he noticed that could have been better through his experience with Cranston. All right. Uh, all right. I don't. How I long don't was that... his employment with Cranston overall? Do you I think, think six months? Okay. Wow. Learned a lot in six months. <laughs> yep. Um, physio girl comes and finds him at his new work and says, Cranston needs you. He's grown out his beard. He doesn't care about anything. He's not having any fun anymore. He's pushed everyone away. He has a series of new caregivers, and he like, hates them all, and he won't talk to anyone. Even Kidman quit because she finally couldn't take it anymore. Um, we need you to come and break him out of this. You're the only one that can help. So, But, he... but physio girl is still in the mix. Like, he's he's retained her still. Yes. Is she... What's her deal? She's a young, maybe 20-something woman. She seems cool, but we don't really learn much about her life. Hmm. Okay. I thought maybe she would have a vibe with Kevin. I was hoping. Did not happen. Hmm. All right. He kind of flirts with her, but it never goes beyond that. Like, she's never receptive to it. She seems to have a soft spot for him if she comes to him, though. That's true. So Kevin storms in and says, you have to come with me. And this is when we return to the opening scene. So they're in the car going on a joyride. Uh, and Kevin says, I can outrun the cops. Don't worry about it. He briefly is able to do that. But then they are cornered and up a creek. And so then in the new heart being heart frenetic scene, he starts yelling at the cops, like, look at this guy. He can't get out of the car. He's a quadriplegic. You want him to die in your watch? You think you can get to us to the hospital in an ambulance faster than I can get him in this car? You know, just on and on and on. Harding that was, away. That was, a, that was good heart. <laughs> that was good. You should, you could sell it at stadiums. <laughs> you should cosplay heart. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Uh, and Chris- <laughs> <laughs> that might, that might be, what's the word for that? Problematic. Anyway, Cranston plays long and he fakes a seizure, and so they end up getting a police escort to the hospital, and they're yucking it up, and this is the first time Cranston has really enjoyed anything since the blow-up, um, and so they're waiting outside the hospital, and the cops are like, um, 
they're going to take it from here, sir. We called ahead. You know, the team is coming out. Um, hope everything goes okay. And they take off. And then they're like, what are we going to do now? And Kevin Hart's like, we better go because they don't want to be caught not needing medical attention. So they drive off and hit the open road. They're going, I guess, upstate or somewhere a little more country. Um, so and this is where the Aretha comes in. Cranston says, I want to play this for you, and it's Aretha Franklin's version of Nessendora, which is a real thing. It's an opera song, and because uh, she had to fill in for Pavarotti at the Grammys once. And you're saying Nessendora, and you're saying... Norma. It... Dorma? Nessendorma? I don't... The way you're saying it, you're saying it like it's a thing that people know. If you listen to, like, five seconds of it, you will know. It's, like, the opera song that everyone knows. Um, and so, yeah, like I said, they're on the open road, and he's set up a paragliding uh, event for Cranston where they can rig up the apparatus to his wheelchair so he can Whoa. glide again, which I thought maybe he wouldn't want to after yeah. all that, but he does, and he gleefully does well, it. Well, he didn't say no. Yeah, no, he doesn't say no. And he wants Kevin to do it too, and he's very reluctant. And I thought this was very insensitive. He's, like, so scared to do it. And it just felt, like, how is Cranston going to feel that you're so afraid to do it because he got so injured? It just felt a little gross. But anyway, he does do it, and so they're in, you know, like a tandem style with the the pro guy doing all the maneuvers. Um, And so they're, like, sailing into the open skies, and... This is like Cranston's reawakening to be able to like, love, live and love again. And Kevin Hart takes him back to the like lodge or wherever they are in this country <laughs> area. And he says, you need to get rid of that beard. Trust me. So he shaves him and they do different, as he gets it down, like different styles, like the mullet style, and, like the mutton chops and the like French guy twirl, the Hitler, until he's finally <laughs> clean shaven. That sounds like a that sounds like a fun scene. <laughs> it was all right, uh, <laughs> and then Kevin wheels Cranston into the dining area of the lodge, and surprise, Nicole Kidman is there. He has off screen called her back and arranged this, and finally, it seems like they're going to admit their affection for each other because she, if you remember, doesn't like beards, and that's why he couldn't have one for this meeting. Wow. <laughs> great. What a and great turn. That's the Wait, movie. That, that's the movie. Directed by Neil Berger. Who's directed some good stuff. He made Limitless. And Limitless is a movie that everybody loves. Do you like Bradley Cooper? <laughs> uh, I wish Bradley Cooper was in every movie. I find him to be extremely attractive. In fact... <laughs> Do I... <laughs> yes, I do. Oh, okay. I think he might be the hunkiest of of the modern acting men in my life. Wow, yeah, the hunkiest I... of modern acting men. I remember when Hangover came out. You were quite enthralled. <laughs> yeah, I saw it three times in the theater. Yeah, and I remember I asked her. I was like, I was like, you saw the Hangover like three times. I was like. Cause it's a pretty movie, good movie. It's a good movie, but, like, it's not actually one I wanted to see again, like, right away or anything. It, you know, um, those jokes are funniest the first time. And I was like, why would you keep going back? And I believe you said something that you were like, him, that hair, <laughs> something. I think you, said, you talked about his hair or something. I was like, jeez. The hair is so good. <laughs> Stanza. What 